You're clocked out. We're locked in. You're listening to Crunch Time with Miguez and Mesh here on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. The Astros winning 5-3 to three this afternoon over the Texas Rangers to improve to 84-47 and 47 on the season. Welcome to Crunch Time with me, guys, and Mesh right here on the game. It's 103.7 Lafayette, 104.1 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station, your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. Matt Miguez here, coming to you a little late, 51 after the hour. Got about a six-minute opening segment, and then we'll get you to a stacked hour number two. And when we say stacked, we do mean stacked. So the Astros opened with early scoring from Jose Altuve on a Trey Mancini RBI single. And then Corey Seager would answer in the bottom of the first with a two-run homer to give the Rangers the early 2-1 to lead. However, Altuve would hit a double to deep right center to score Dubon and Hensley to make it 3-2 Astros. And the Astros wouldn't give the lead back. In the fourth, Kyle Tucker would hit a two-run single, scoring Altuve and Jeremy Pena. And then in the fifth, the Rangers would try to climb back with an RBI single from low, but in the end, 5-3, to three, the Astros win. The Astros now 84-47, while the Rangers fall to 58-71. and 71. Christian Javier gets the win. Five innings pitched, three earned runs, seven Ks. He walked three. Martin Perez dealt the loss. Five innings, five runs. He struck out five as well. And Rafael Montero getting the save for Space City. Let's bring in my co-host, producer, extraordinaire. He's just an extraordinary gentleman, Mr. James Mesh. James, buddy, what's going on? Not too much. I am just built different. He, he, You are just built different. I mean, pushing buttons, running down hallways, making sure doors are closed. There's just a lot that you do around here, James. I do it all. And we're really appreciative of you. Thank you. I, I want you to know that. I appreciate that. All right, so a couple things we got to get to. It is a Wednesday in the middle of college football season, so that means depth charts. The Raging Cajuns have announced their depth chart for this weekend against Southeastern. Not many surprises. David Hudson will start at center, while Jax Harrington will start at right guard. That's a surprise. We really thought it would be the other way around. Johnny Lumpkin and Neil Johnson getting the start at tight end. No surprise there. Chandler Fields, your starting quarterback. Chris Smith and Jacob Cabote listed as one and two at running back. The big surprise, though, is that kicker Preston Stafford looks to be getting the starting nod for the Cajuns. Kenny Almendaris, the redshirt sophomore, behind him. Reese Burns will do the punting. Dalen Cambray will be the holder. Thomas Leo will handle kickoff duties. Chris Smith and Eric Gare will return kicks. And, of course, Eric Gare will be your punt returner. On defense, one of the big surprises, how about redshirt freshman Jordan Lawson getting a spot on the defensive line for Louisiana, along with transfer Marcus Weiser and Zion Hill-Green. Your linebackers, A.J. Riley and Andre Jones. Chris Moncrief and Jordan Quibido at the star position is Brandon Bishop and your secondary, Eric Guerra, Campodesclo, Braylon Trahan, and Trey Amos. 
So again, not a lot of surprises. That's pretty much what the thought process was going to be with this group heading into week one against Southeastern. Breaking news, though, within the last hour, Brett McMurphy has announced that there will be a college football playoff board meeting on Friday. And at that board meeting, they could adopt a 12-team playoff for the final two years of the current playoff contract, which would be 2024 and 2025. This was the proposed 12-team format recommended last year, and it was first reported by Ross Dellinger. A 12-team playoff. Things could get interesting there. You know, with, with, with 12, there's more room for error. Not Still not a lot, but definitely, definitely more room. I mean, that's 10% of FBS programs making the college football playoff. So you're giving opportunity for more players, more guys to get in the mix. Maybe you have a G5 auto bid. Top-ranked G5 team that normally gets a New Year's Six Bowl, maybe now they get into the playoff. Obviously, that's going to be stacked with SEC and Big Ten talent with a couple of Pac-12s sprinkled in there, especially with the rise of USC being inevitable under Lincoln Riley. A 12-team playoff could work and could work out really well, and the idea of giving it a test run in the last two years of the contract could be a, a, a good thing. James, do you would you enjoy the idea of a 12-team playoff in college football? I would love it. Any sort of expansion. Yep. Uh, I would I would even be fine with just having six. Four is just not enough. It feels too we don't get enough. It's just not enough. Um I, I think at a minimum you need eight. Really think you need twelve. Yeah, because I don't want to have to have a buy. Right. I think having I don't want I don't want to necessarily have to have a six or a twelve where at some point somebody's gonna have to get a bye week that way you get down to the eight. I think expanding it to an eight or a sixteen. Yep. Would I, would be the best option. Quickly, before we have to take our hour break, are you surprised that the Saints released Dwayne Washington? That did catch me off guard. I was not expecting that. Maybe they're going to get Trey Sermon. Maybe they're going to get Jermichael Hasty. I was going to say, there's a lot of veteran running backs that got released yeah. recently. Think, things got interesting today, and they could get even more interesting as we round out the week. In hour number two, Danny Reed, the voice of the Georgia Southern Eagles, will join us at the top of the hour to preview Clay Helton and the Georgia Southern Eagles. And at 520, Brendan Ertle with Who Dat Wednesday. After that, Southside head football coach Josh Fontenot will join us to discuss the Sharks before their season opener tomorrow night against the Pios of Notre Dame. And then Miss Parker the winner and host of this year's Olympics at Michael's Men's Club. She'll join us to preview tonight's event. This is the game, Southwest Louisiana's sports station, your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. We'll be back after this top of the hour sports update. Hour number two on this Wednesday afternoon. Crunch time with Miguez and Mesh. Matt Miguez, James Mesh, 502. We're joined by the voice of the Georgia Southern Eagles and just an all-around good dude, Mr. Danny Reed. Danny, thanks so much for taking the time, man. How are you? Absolutely. Doing well. Hope you guys are, too. So let's look at it. 3-9 and nine last year. You bring in a new coaching staff. You bring in a new starting quarterback. Really, the, the, the question here is that there's a lot of questions to answer. 
that is very true. So, you know, talk about the, this coaching staff. You know, Clay Helton comes in after a pretty successful stint at USC that just didn't finish the right way. Uh, what are your thoughts on his time thus far in Statesboro? And he gets unfairly pigeonholed by the way that it ended. He went 46-24, and 24, which in most places is pretty darn good, but it just didn't live up to the consistent standards that USC wanted, and you do feel for him because he does things the right way. He's an outstanding man of character. He has instilled his culture with this team. You would have never known that they were a team that was 3-9 and nine last year, despite there being so much turnover. But so many guys are back, and that's the virtue of the COVID waiver period and just being able to have a large roster size. But they're bought in. They believe in what he says. You have to look at the fact that this guy that won a Rose Bowl, won a Pac-12 championship, played in another Pac-12 title in 2020, the COVID season. So he knows what he's doing. He knows how to coach ball. His dad has been an assistant coach and a head coach in pro and college ball for five decades. They've had a chance to spend a lot of time together ever since the move that he made down here to Statesboro. And even though it seems a little quiet in town regarding what this season could be, if they get the opportunity and they mesh the way it looks like they're trending towards, this team has the potential to make some noise this year. Now, outside of these walls and outside of this stadium, there's not a whole lot of people nationally that are looking at Georgia Southern as doing anything substantial. They're thinking, okay, it's the typical year one. There's a lot of change. What is exactly going to look like? But the way that these guys are conducting themselves and the way that they have bought into what he is selling, don't be shocked if Georgia Southern isn't at least in the thick of things by the time we get deeper into the season because I think that's how locked in and keyed in they are. Kyle Van Trees is a guy that, that's coming in to play quarterback for Clay Helton after spending the last five years at the University of Buffalo. Talk about his progression this offseason, picking up a new system, and what has he shown throughout camp? Man, as impressive a guy as I've ever talked to. He joined us in media day down in New Orleans, and I've had a chance to spend a good bit of time with him. A really interesting story. Great parents. In fact, the biggest recruiting pitch that Coach Helton and staff made was to his parents. And once he realized how comfortable they were with Statesboro, with Georgia Southern, with Eagle Nation, it made his decision that much easier. And for him, it's his sixth season, so it's the last time he's going to get to do it collegiately. But I think it's the first time that he's going to be asked to win a football game. You know, before it was, I'm going to turn around and hand it off to Jared Patterson 25 to 30 times a game. And remember, Buffalo was number two in the country in rushing in 2020. Patterson had that nutso game against Kent State where he ran for it seemed like a thousand yards in one game. But for Van Treese, we we know the offense is going to look different. I don't know exactly what it's going to look like when somebody that doesn't know Georgia Southern's plays is on the other side of the field. When you are an option team and you don't run the option, you're going to throw it more. You just do by nature. You go from 10 to 15 times to whatever the ratio ends up being. And I don't know exactly who he's going to be throwing to yet because the depth chart will not come out fully until Friday. I mean, we could see the position groups, but as far as who is going to be slotted where, but he was very complimentary of the group of receivers that were coming back with a Caleb Hood and Amari Jones. 
a Derwin Burgess freshman who really flourished at the end of last season and then bringing in a transfer like Jeremy Singleton from Houston, there's a lot of toys to play with. It's simply a matter of how it's all going to mesh. And when you factor in that running game with Jalen White and Gerald Green finally moving up as co-starters, you could look at after spending some time behind J.D. King and Logan Wright over these last few years. It's just a matter of where the comfort level is going to be established, but there is a lot of talent, a lot of ability. And as far as execution, we'll have to see how that goes starting on Saturday. Speaking of J.D. King and Gerald Green, they're going to be back in the backfield. Can you talk about this experienced group? With Jalen and Gerald, guys that we've seen flashes from, they've only started a combined two games together. But when you have a J.D. King who transferred in from Oklahoma State, he decided to retire. He didn't want to play his sixth season. The knee just wouldn't allow him to do so. And with Logan Wright trying to test the NFL waters, it was an opportunity for those two. Jalen White went crazy last year against Arkansas State here at Allen Paulson Stadium. He helped win that Texas State game during the month of November. And there, there's a chance that he could be a – a big factor in this rushing game with a bunch of younger guys. But again, with Brian Ellis on the joystick, it's who's going to play where, how much time is going to be allotted, what's the timeshare going to be. Will Georgia Southern still potentially run the ball 30 to 45 times per game? That's what we're trying to figure out as the pieces all fit together. And it might look different by the end of the season than it will those first couple of games. But this is going to be, in essence, a filling out process. But that doesn't mean the results can't be there. They can still try to find their way, but at the same time, do exactly what they need to do, score points, and get the wins that Eagle Nation desperately thinks they need. You know, wide receivers is a group that, might be a little more featured at Georgia Southern than in years past as the Eagles kind of start to get away from the option game a little bit. Caleb Hood comes back as kind of the leader of that group. Who's stepping up around him? You know, Caleb ended up as having one of the best receiving seasons in recent Georgia Southern history, top 10 in single-season history in number of catches. He had a number of six-catch games, which doesn't sound all that much if you're a team that passes, but in the case of the Eagles, that, that is a lot. Most catches over the last five seasons. With Amari Jones now fully as a receiver, I think that they could sprinkle him in in the backfield, but he just does way too much in the slot and on the outside, and he was hurt a year ago, so he didn't get a chance to show what he could do in the special teams game as well. He was a dynamic punt returner and kick returner, as you guys probably remember from his time at Tulane with Willie Fritz. But at the same time, with those two and with the depth that has been built behind them with Darius Lewis, someone who has a lot of ability, a lot of speed, just waiting to see if he's going to be able to be implemented in the right way. Also, a Sam Kenderson, who's a Louisiana guy, came in as a quarterback. Now he is a full-time receiver. Excited to see how the slot works. Also excited to see how the guys on the outside work with a singleton, a freshman like Marcus Sanders, who has been really good in camp. But for somebody who's so young, you just wonder when they're going to get the opportunity to show that. Chat with Danny Reed, the voice of the Georgia Southern Eagles. Defensively, on the other side, Dylan Springer, Justin Ellis, and Derek Canteen are three big names after having big years last year. Who else is filling in in those gaps for the Eagles? Well, there were, there were so many injuries a year ago, and when it was Todd Bradley Glenn before the first scrimmage, and then Marquez Watson Trent, the other linebacker, in the first game of the season, Derek Canteen, second game of the season, a number of guys played hurt. 
but the secondary just got ravaged. There were points where the Eagles were down to their number five and six corners, so it was a wonder that the passing defense just wasn't up to snuff. Guys were just getting tossed in and looking to get stops here and there, but knock on wood, the guys that were lost a year ago have come back. Now, exactly how much they're going to be utilized with Will Harris calling the shots on defense, that's another thing that remains to be seen. Just like we talked about before, the eagerness and the enthusiasm exists with this program, but as far as how those rotations are, you can say all you want to what it looks like in practice, but when lights go on and there's 20,000 people in the stands, you've got play clocks and timeouts to work with, you don't really know who is going to be able to do what. I know what it looks like having seen it through the limited spring practice that we saw because of the baseball overlap and, of course, these last few weeks of fall camp dissolving into the season. But know that the ability is absolutely there. But as far as how it's all going to get utilized, everybody else is kind of looking at each other wondering, okay, what is this going to look like? But that's part of the fun of it. We don't know, and we'll find out very soon. I think we can all come to an agreement that the Sunbelt East is looking pretty loaded in 2022. Where do you see Georgia Southern finishing in year one under Coach Helton? <laughs> That's a loaded question. You, you've, got the, you've got the mainstay in, a, in an app state and a coastal Carolina. You've got a team in Marshall that is a lot better than I think their record show. Granted, the Cajuns had something to do with that at the end of last season. But also a James Madison who could be like an app or a Georgia Southern and make that seamless transition from the FCS to the FBS. And don't forget that even though Old Dominion started 1-6 and six last year, won five games in a row, got to a bowl, and I haven't even talked about Georgia State yet. They set a school record in wins last year, and they've got almost everybody back. That, that could be the best season they've ever had. I know Sean Elliott is anticipating big things, especially from his running backs and from his offensive line. It's a tough question to answer because with as many transfers as Georgia Southern brought in, and with coming off a 3-9 and nine season, you immediately want to think that this has got to be a rebuild. It's got to be just be happy with what you get. If you can find a way to get to four, get to four or five, you'd be thrilled with it. If you maybe back your way into a bold bid, because it looks like the league is going to get six tie-ins now. That hasn't been officially announced yet, but it's something that Keith Gill teased, and it sounded like it was going to get done around the time of media day, and I guess we got to wait for the official word once the conference lets us know, hopefully it's sometime this season. But for Georgia Southern, I'm just as, as curious as everybody else because of how everybody thinks it's going to be loaded. Oftentimes when everybody thinks something is going to happen, the opposite happens. So maybe Georgia Southern will win the East Division, host a conference championship game, and win it for the first time since 2014. But who knows? That's why we got to play them. Danny Reed, the voice of the Georgia Southern Eagles, joining us here on Crunch Time with Miguez and Mesh. Danny, really appreciate you taking the time as always. Glad to have you down in Lafayette this fall, and uh, let, let's let's meet up when you're down, man. You got it, guys. Looking forward to it. And there he goes, Danny Reed, the voice of the Georgia Southern Eagles. James, take it away. Now, we were talking about college. Let's move over to the NFL because you need to kick off week one with FanDuel, America's number one sportsbook. You need to join today and get started with $150 in free bets guaranteed when you place your first $5 bet. Just sign up using promo code KLWB to get in on the action. You can turn game day into payday all season long. I'm looking at the minus five and a half spread for the Saints in their week one matchup against the Atlanta Falcons. But you're always able to play your way and bet on more than just the final score. You can wager on everything from touchdowns to total yards to even catches. 
You can even combine multiple bets for an even bigger payout with the same game parlay. Don't fumble your chance to get $150 in free bets, win or lose, with promo code KLWB. Make every moment more with FanDuel, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. You must be 21 and older and present in Louisiana permitted parishes only. First online real money wager only, $10 first deposit required. Bonus issued as novel drawable site credit that expires in 14 days after the receipt. Restrictions do apply. See full terms at sportsbook.fanduel.com. And if you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-877-770-STOP. Saints are going to have to make a couple moves. Um, so you have James Hurst. According to Nick Underhill, James Hurst is healthy and is on track to play in week one. And then on the other side of the ball, Malcolm Roach going on injured reserve. So the Saints are going to have to make some moves. At least Roach won't be out for the whole year now since it was after. That's true. That's true. So it'll probably about be about four or five games, but it's not a whole year thing at least. Going to have to figure something out. We'll take a timeout right here when we return on Crunch Time with me, Gaz, and Mesh. It's a Wednesday. We're in Saints country, so that can only mean one thing. It's Who Dat Wednesday with our guy Brendan Ertle. We'll do it after this on the game. Southwest Louisiana Sports Station, your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. He's going to go. Touchdown, Saints. Who's ready for some New Orleans Saints talk? We are. Here is Who Dat Wednesdays with Canal Street Chronicles' Brendan Ertle on Crunch Time with Miguez and Mesh. The man who robs me from fantasy football trades, Mr. Brendan Ertle. What's going on, buddy? Hey, good football minds think alike. Uh, I mean, I wanted Elijah Mitchell, but God, I had to give you Swift and Kareem Hunt to get it done? Hey, I'm not like the Saints. I don't trade people because of ego, you know? Uh, That's fair. That's fair. Speaking of that trade, we've had 24 hours to process it now. Where do you stand on sending Chauncey Gardner-Johnson to Philadelphia? Yeah, uh, tough, tough situation there. Um, Obviously, they didn't I'm not. I'm not saying they trade him because the ego, but it was just one of those situations where, you know, a player who felt replaceable to them uh, wanted a new contract. He wanted uh, 12. The Saints wanted eight. Um, the best way I've compared it to is, you know, the Saints offered Marcus Williams 12, and they're offering. I mean, CJ wanted 12, so just comparable doesn't really make sense to me right there, and. You know, $4 million doesn't seem like a lot in terms of, you know, the cap space. But uh, in negotiations, that's pretty far off. And it didn't really sound like I was ever going to get done. And the way Ian Rapport, uh talked on TV as well, he said, like, you know, this sounded like this was going to not end in, you know, CJ playing for the Saints next season anyways. And um, I get all the arguments about, you know, keep him, trade him, uh, for more, but it just wasn't a great situation where you're trying to trade, you know, a nickel corner that hasn't been able to get, you know, the nickel corner position just in general hasn't been able to get anything going. You know, we've waited a while for Kenny Moore to get something uh, contact-wise, and he hasn't been able to. And um, just it's it's nothing really out there to base $12 million off of. So, I mean, Philadelphia was one of the few places that made sense because you can justify paying him that much. I mean, we'll see what they end up paying him, but, you know, they move him back to safety, and, you know, it's definitely not something I wanted to happen, but I think they can definitely survive it. And and now that C.D. Deuce is gone, who do you see filling that slot role? It was interesting. I mean, I, I 
the immediate answer is Bradley Roby. Um, but someone asked Dennis Allen that today, and I, I mean, he's he's been pretty forward, straightforward with us, and um, he hasn't really hidden those things. But he said, like, you know, it's going to be a game to game basis, and I thought that was interesting because, you know, it all kind of depends on matchup. And when you have CJ Garner Johnson in there, it doesn't really matter. He's always going to be in that slot. But that this may be the kind of thing where you know, maybe Bradley plays a lot one game, and then maybe you know. PJ or Justin, it matchup wise makes more sense. Or even like Tyron Massey plays in the slot. I mean, he hasn't done that forever. But you know, the, the thing about this defense is that all the DBs really have flexibility to play anywhere. I mean, we've seen a lot of these guys play all over the field, and you know, we, we've even seen Marshawn fall receivers into the slot. So, I mean, they have a ton of athletes in the position. Um, you know, it's it's kind of ironic that we said that they can survive anything in this DB room, and then. You know, trade away Chauncey, and then uh, Debo's been out with a little ankle sprain. So it's getting thinner and thinner, but I think, you know, a guy like Alante Taylor um, could really end up stepping in and filling in that role. Maybe not this year, but, you know, you invest a second-round pick into that situation. I think the Saints knew a really long time ago what this situation was going to look like. And, you know, DJ is not the guy that you want to be on the wrong side of the a relationship with. So I think it just got to that point where it was best where the two sides, you know, moved on. And uh, Alante Taylor was a precursor of that. Out of all the cuts that the Saints made over the last couple of the days, Brendan, which one surprised you the most? Um, I mean, a few of them. And the, the few that were cut went right back from the practice squad. And I really do think, you know, it was it's a weird offseason in terms of, uh, the cut down day and they, because they kept, you know, a majority of that 80 person roster that they had a couple weeks ago. I mean, they lost out a couple of guys, Ian Book, uh, not surprised he got waived, but even more surprised that he went to Philly. Um, I think it makes sense. I think he does a lot of things that Jalen Hurts does well and doesn't do well. So I think that's a good, uh, fit for him there, not throwing any shade or anything, but, um, you know, it, it, it was surprising that, uh, they decided to keep four tight ends. I, I wasn't expecting that, but, you know, I've talked on the show before. I didn't think that they could release Juwan Johnson. And then Nick Vanette took a pay cut today as well. So I think maybe he was, you know, it was like, take this pay cut or we have to move on, sadly, and took the pay cut. And uh, that worked out pretty well. So I'm glad they were able to keep four tight ends. And, you know, there wasn't really any surprise roster um, makes and misses. I mean, I was hoping, you know, Kirk Merritt would make the roster, but he didn't. But right back in the practice squad. Um, but, yeah, they, they, I think the biggest surprise for me right now has been uh, them uh, releasing Dwayne Washington like 20 minutes ago. So I think that's been the, the biggest surprise for me. I'm curious. Were you low-key hoping that New Orleans would sign Ian Book back to a practice squad? <sighs> um. I, I, I That's didn't a no. necessarily want him. <laughs> that is on. a no, Brendan. Um, so I, I'm I'm trying to be professional here. Um, <laughs> I I really like Notre Dame. <laughs> um, I like I like I like the prospect, but you know that's a Sean Payton pick, and I think Dennis Allen is, you know, moving on from Sean Payton picks that didn't work out. That's fair um, to look at. I, I think that Ian Book just needed a little bit more Sean Payton, and I think you know it didn't help that he left his first year. So, um, you know, he, he wasn't ever going to see the field. Even if two or three quarterbacks went down, they would have you know figured something out. Um, but yeah, 
just not the situation to be in for him right now and being here. If you sure. if you had to think about it, if you even had to think about how you were going to word it, <laughs> the answer to that question is no. Yes, the the, the correct answer is no. I, I I think they're I think they did the right. I think they did the right thing. So, okay, so let's piggyback off of that and go into the next question, chatting with Brendan Ertle of Canal Street Chronicles. Do you see them going get another quarterback? And if so, who? Um, well, right now the practice squad's full uh, for the most part. And honestly, I don't I don't think it's a, a need right now. I, I mean, they could go out and add someone to the practice squad later who, you know, maybe they liked. Um you know, a guy like David Blau or someone like that that could sit on practice squad and, you know, wouldn't be stolen, stolen off there. Um, but I think they have enough depth where, you know, if Jameis misses a game or goes down, they have Andy Dalton, who has looked great to me. And, you know, at his best, he's one of the best backups in the league. And um, if even if Andy Dalton goes down, I, I think that Taysom's the next guy up. Uh, he gives you the best shot to win. But... You know, if there's a situation where we're going into a week without Jameis and Andy Dalton, I don't think we really are worrying about, you know, what quarterback we're on the practice squad. I think it's more, um, more of a feeling last year than um, a feeling I don't want to have ever again, uh, worrying about what, who's going to be my quarterback this week. So hopefully we don't have to worry about that. I, I think they're, I think they're set and I think it works out pretty well that your, your emergency quarterback can make a big jump. Uh, and the tight end room. What are your thoughts? Because you were you just talked about how the practice squad got filled today. What are your thoughts on who got signed there? Um, I was happy that they actually brought back a lot of the guys that they had. I mean, mm-hmm. there was a few guys that I, you know, I was fans of, and they brought those guys back. You know, Kirk Merritt, Deshaun, Dejon Dixon. I thought you know they impressed me. Uh, I would have loved to see you know Abram Smith back, but it just didn't work out. But I talked about it last week. Nephi Sewell has been my guy for for a while, and he's been like my number one practice squad candidate. And right when he didn't make a roster, I was a little bit worried that he'd be he'd get claimed just you know popular last name, uh, solid tape. Um, so I, that was my favorite that they were able to get, and I think that was the first you know official ad on that practice squad as well. So um, also a couple of veterans, uh, Josh Andrews, he played pretty well. Uh, Taco Charlton, I was glad to see him back in the practice squad. I thought he played, you know, decent in the preseason. So I think they have a solid practice squad. And I think you have to be happy with this complete roster from where it was a year ago, uh, being in the, you know, negative 100 cap space with already a, you know, an iffy roster. I think they built, uh, not built, I think they retooled really, really well. And I'm, I mean, I'm very content with the roster they have and the practice squad they have for sure. Brendan, are you concerned with players like Michael Thomas and Paulson Adebo not being at practice today? Uh, yeah, a little bit concerning. Um, when the media talked to Adebo, it really sounded like he was day-to-day and they were uh, being careful with him. And I don't want to jump to conclusions, but I think that he's you know in the territory of uh, the Marshawn Lattimore treatment where it's like you pull a hammy, you watch practice this week. We know you don't need to get any physical reps, and it's more of a mental game for him. Um, but, of course, yeah, you'd love to see him out there. A high ankle sprain is nothing to ever mess with. Uh, I don't know if it's high or low, but uh, he said ankle sprain, and he said he was day-to-day, and he kind of smiled when he said day-to-day. And I think he'll be ready to go for week one. Uh, the real 
you know, the actual concern is probably Michael Thomas and his impact. But I think between everyone that's been missing practice, I think the most worrisome is the Debo just because, you know, it's easy to replace. I mean, it's not easy to replace, but it's easier to replace Michael Thomas with Jarvis and Olave than, you know, playing mix and match with your corners to replace the Debo. So I think both will end up being okay. I think it's, you know, we still have a, another full week of game prep for them to get out there. But, um, yeah, if, if they if, if it comes next week and they're questionable on the injury report and they're not practicing, then I'd be concerned. But I think, you know, there's still a little bit of time and both haven't really seen any noticeable limps or anything like that reportedly. So um, I think all decent signs. Brendan, you've been spending too much time in Minnesota. Both? That's a that's a nice that was a nice Canadian accent you got going there. <laughs> yeah, that was more of a a voice crack, honestly. But yeah, <laughs> Brendan Ertle of Canal Street Chronicles joining us for Who Dat Wednesdays. Appreciate you as always, my guy. And you know we'll do it again next week. Yes, sir. Let's do it. Tune in next week for another edition of Who Dat Wednesdays here on Crunch Time with Miguez and Mesh. A recent survey discovered that game listeners prefer our station over watching a mandated webinar at work. Well, thank you, everyone, for coming to this exciting meeting today to discuss... Take that, productivity in the workplace. This is The Game, 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Welcome back. Crunch time with Miguez and Mesh. 5.30 here on your Wednesday afternoon on the game. Southwest Louisiana Sports Station, your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. High school football getting underway tomorrow night. A couple local teams in the mix, including the Sharks of Southside High, which you can catch on Mustang 107.1. Week one, they're taking on the Pios of Notre Dame at Cecilia High School. I'm joined now by head coach of the Southside Sharks, Mr. Josh Fontenot. Coach, thanks for taking the time. How are you? Appreciate it. Thank you all for having us. So, Coach, you know, you you work all off season and you prepare, you know, for for tomorrow night for Week One. You know, what are your thoughts heading into this game? Uh, well, weeks one, Week Ones are always exciting. Um, we uh, we we you know we had a good scrimmage. We've had a good jamboree. We play a, a excellent opponent. And um, one that we'll kind of uh, want to see how we measure up against. Uh, last year, we played them. I thought we played them tough. Um, we didn't have. Uh, we're kind of changing offenses, so we, we didn't really have much to fight back with. We had some players down, and um, it's hard to do that against Notre Dame. And this year, we'll uh, we we coming at them. I think full strength. So uh, we feel pretty good about where we're at, and hopefully, we can uh, can pull one off. You you know, coach, you're returning a lot in in big pieces on both sides of the ball. What are you excited about with this team going into 2022? Uh, well, the experience on offense for sure. You know, last year was a big change for us, going from a spread offense to a, a, the flex bone option system, and uh, we went through the growing pains. and And now we come into it um, knowing what we're doing. Uh, you bring the quarterback back and land and Baptiste, and that really helps. Anytime you're uh, you're repeating a system, it's good to have the quarterback. The most of the old lines back, so seven guys on offense that have run this all in a varsity situation before. That that's a good thing. And defensively, um, some key players in key areas uh, that are really helping out. And you have a D lineman and 
uh, uh, Corey uh, that's really doing well, and uh, our two linebackers, Lucas Harrington and Isaiah Mouton, or uh, it's the experience that we turned back at linebacker, they're doing well. And then Derek Collins and, and Bryce Jones in the secondary. You know, So we have a little bit of a mix throughout the, the defense with some experience coming back. Defense has changed. It's made us a little more aggressive, which they're excited, excited about. So um, there's a lot of things to be excited about. You know, everybody's undefeated right now, and, and that's always a good thing. So uh, look, look forward to seeing what we can do Thursday. Looking on the offensive side of the ball, you know, you touched on Landon Baptiste. Another name that really jumps off the page at me is Vernell Joseph. Uh, two key contributors from last year talked about, you know, learning the new offensive system. Now that they've got a year under their belt in that system, what have you seen from them, you know, in the offseason in terms of growth, and what do you expect out of those two this season? Uh, Landon has just, there's just a grasp of how it all works. You know, with our option system, there's a lot of counting involved and looking at making sure you're, you're, you're reading the right people. Uh, when Landon starts fixing our mistakes at practice, meaning, you know, we'll, we'll script practice and every now and then you'll script a formation wrong or a play number wrong. When your quarterback starts correcting those things, uh, you know that he really has a good grasp on it. And Landon has done that. I mean, where, you know, he'll tell us, Coach, you can't run that out of that formation, and he understands those things. Uh, he's able to check off at the line of scrimmage, which is good, which helps us a lot to get us in the right play. So just the the growth of Landon um, understanding the total offense. Vernell, uh, we see him starting to understand that, you know, he he's a guy that, uh, you know, he might carry it 20 times in a game, average two yards a carry, but then all of a sudden two of those carries go for 30, 40 yards. And it's just the nature of it. And Vernell seems to understand that now. Uh, take what they give them, um, be be a battering ram, and make it to where at the end of the game they don't want to tackle you. So uh, the understanding of how this works is really the main thing they receive from both of them. And then defensively, you talked about Corey Ladey, Isaiah Mouton, and Bryson Jones, kind of a, a big three for you in each level of the defense. What are you expecting out of your defense this year? A lot more aggression. Uh, we've changed it up. We've added some things. We've kind of changed defensive systems. Uh, and everything's designed around letting our kids play a lot freer, um, a lot more pressure. Those guys um, are guys, and the reason we did it is because of players like those, those guys. You know, we kind of cut them loose, not having them make them read and react so much, more telling them what to do and where to go, and, and uh, letting them fit off of other people on the defense. So we're excited. Uh, we're excited about the defense to, to see. I maybe I don't know if I should say excited. I maybe I'll say curious, curious to see how far fast our defense comes along. Um, but those three guys have anchored it in a lot of in a lot of ways. It's good to know you have some good experience back there when you're trying some new stuff. Chatting with Southside head coach Josh Fontenot. Looking at your opponent in Week One, Notre Dame, obviously a, a program full of history. What have you seen from them so far? What do they bring to the table in 2022? Uh, the you know. Uh, same thing that they've brought the last 25 plus years, I guess. That, you know, you can put on a film from 25 years ago, and it looks the same as a Notre Dame film now. And there's a lot to be said good about that. Uh, it makes them consistent. They know what they're doing. Um, the offensively and defensively, uh, you're not going to get them making too many mistakes. So uh, they make you beat them. Um, this year, their defensive line stands out to me as being probably one of their better ones that I've seen them have. 
perfect play, aggressive, good with their hands, um, always in the right right spot. You're not going to move them without double teaming them. And um, on offense, their quarterback really stands out. He throws the ball really well. They've got some really good wide receivers. Uh, they probably you know have seen them throw it a little bit more than what we're used to seeing them throw it. And but they have the guys to do it. So uh, they, they're impressive on the offensive side of the ball throwing it around. How do you feel your your team matches up with with Notre Dame this week? Where do you feel you know you have the best chance to succeed against them? Uh, you know, we're we're finally I think turning the corner of being able to be physical enough to compete with the Notre Dames and the Cadianas and and the Karen Crows of the world. You know, those we we did a lot of things in the last year and a half, two years here to to make us more equipped to beat those teams and those are the, the ones at the top of our sport in our classification. So in order to, to be able to beat them, you got to be as physical as them. So I'm curious and I'm, I'm excited to think that we're, we've matched that. We're, we're as physical as those guys to be able to even have a chance to beat them. Um, so uh, that's the thing that I think we've improved upon in the, from the past, whereas we went in there in the past, not, you know, they were just more physical than us and they just beat us up. I think this year, and hopefully moving forward, uh, we'll be able to match that with them. A couple more for you, Coach. You know, obviously the, the game was supposed to be played in Crowley, but due to the, the field being deemed unplayable, it's now going to be played at Cecilia. This week, from a game plan standpoint, I mean, Crowley's field is grass, Cecilia's field is turf. Did that change game planning at all? No. we, You know, we practice on grass and play on turf all year, so – no, it doesn't really. Uh, you know, the only time we'll look at stuff like that is if we know there's going to be rain that night. You know, but we we practice wet ball uh, one day out of the week uh, anyway, so we're kind of prepared for anything. But no, that that really, if anything, it makes it easier. Just know that you know you'll have a good playing surface to play on. Coach, appreciate you taking the time. Best of luck this season, and most importantly, good luck tomorrow night. Thank you. Appreciate it, guys. There you go, Southside head coach Josh Fontenot. Once again, Southside Sharks take on the Notre Dame Pioneers on Mustang 107-1 tomorrow night starting at 7 o'clock. If you didn't get tickets to LSU's season opener against Florida State in the Superdome, not to worry. You still have a great time by coming out to Twin Peaks on Johnson this Sunday from 6 to 8 to enjoy ice-cold beverages, burgers, and hang out with yours truly. It's the game LSU watch party at Twin Peaks on Johnston this Sunday night. Twin Peaks eats, drinks, scenic views. We'll take a timeout when we return. We'll wrap up today's show, and we'll get you set for tomorrow right here on the game. It's 103.7 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station, your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. From the Louisiana Raging Cajuns to the latest with the New Orleans Saints and Pelicans. Miguez and Mesh cover it all. I'm not worried. Uh, I think it's something that I can get under control. Now back to more Crunch Time with Miguez and Mesh here on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Welcome back. Crunch Time with Miguez and Mesh right here on the game. 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana sports station, your home. For the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros, Matt Miguez, James Mesh, 
got to tell you about the best sports book on the market, and that's BetUS.com, back for their 28th year of NFL action with the industry's biggest sign-up bonus of up to 200%. BetUS offers their members the opportunity to cash in on all your favorite leagues, including the NFL, NBA, MLB, and much more. Hundreds of new casino games, including the coolest European slots as well, and live dealers waiting for you at the tables. Because there's there, there's two thing there's three things you're gonna need. You need a sports book with integrity. You need a sports book with longevity, and you need a sports book that you know you're gonna get paid. They offer everything, including live betting, MMA, golf, horse racing, esports, and all kinds of crazy bets. Call them today at one eight hundred seven nine Bet US. That's one eight zero zero seven nine Bet US. They're going to walk you through setting up an account because nobody in the industry gives better bonuses than Bet US. If you join now and mention KLWB, you can get up to two hundred percent in bonuses on your first deposit. Head to BetUS.com and join today. That's BetUS, where the game begins. Great event happening tonight at Michael's in Broussard. It's the 2022 Olympics being held at Michael's. We are currently joined by last year's winner, Miss Parker. Miss Parker, thanks so much for taking the time. How are you? Hey, I'm doing great. Thank you for having me. How are you today? I'm doing well. Thanks for asking. So question number one, you know, you won the event last year back to defend the crown. You know, kind of talk about your mindset heading into the event tonight. Well, to be honest, I am not competing tonight. I am coming just to host the event. Uh, When you win, you just come back the following year to host. And eventually there is talk about having another Olympics, but having all the grand champions come back and compete. Okay. Okay. That's That's fantastic. So, you know, preparation, having, having been in this event before, what's the preparation like, you know, from a workout standpoint, from an upper body standpoint? Oh, well, this is, uh, it's more than just upper body. It's definitely full body at that. I mean, these poles here at Michael's are, I want to say they're 20, maybe even 25 feet. They are extremely tall. And then we also have aerial apparatuses that we use, whether it be the Lyra, the hoop, or um, the silks. So, and then there's also like swinging poles. So there's tons of other different apparatuses that you need your full body full for. So, you know, from from that perspective, what's the what's the preparation look like, you know, like like I said from a workout perspective and, and things like that? Uh we normally just go over our routine or we go to the gym and hit full body workouts, uh but a lot of it is just going over your routine. <laughs> so, if people want to get involved, well, you know, get tickets to the event, find out more information, where where can they go to do that? Okay, so um, the doors open at 5 p.m., and cover is $20, and the event is starting right at 7 p.m. So if you want to come, get there at 5 o'clock. Like I said, cover is 20 Get your seats. Uh, we also have a restaurant there with amazing food. So if you come early and you're hungry, don't worry about that. We got you covered. Ugh. That's fantastic. Miss Parker, the host of the Olympics at Michael's tonight. Is there any more information you would like to get out to to our listeners? Yes. Yeah, so this competition has uh, 15 competitors who are coming from all over the U.S. And these girls are not only beautiful, but they are extremely talented. And with our Olympics, we have three different categories. Uh, 
The one is lap dance, and this one is very interesting for the customers because we actually go through the crowd and pick out the customers to help our contestants with the lap dance round. Um, And then we also have our floor round, which is normally these girls, they have a 20-minute show. So they can't do 20 minutes due to the time that we have. So they shorten it down to about four or five-minute routines. And then we also have a poll round, and then we crown our first, second, third place winners for all three of those divisions, and then we have an overall first place winner. Fantastic stuff. Once again, Miss Parker, the host of the 2022 Olympics at Michaels tonight. Doors open at 5, show starts at 7. Miss Parker, really appreciate you taking the time, and once again, enjoy the event tonight. Yes, please come out and see us. And at the end of the event, I will also be doing a guest performance. Fantastic. Thank you again. Thank you. And there she goes, Miss Parker. Delta Media is your home for thrilling high school football. This season's lineup includes St. Thomas Moore on the game, 1037 Lafayette, Acadiana High on MeTV FM 97.7, Karen Crow on Z1059, Southside High on Mustang 1071. The Vermilion Parish Game of the Week on 106.3 Radio Lafayette. The St. Landry Parish Game of the Week on News Talk 98.5. And we did not forget about our friends in Lake Charles. You can hear Barb on the Game 1041. Make sure to download the station's free mobile apps to listen to your favorite teams at home or on the road. Delta Media is your home for Friday night football. I want to take this opportunity to thank all of our guests today. Danny Reed, the voice of the Georgia Southern Eagles, for a preview on the Eagles. Brendan Ertle for Who Dat Wednesday. And, of course, Southside head coach Josh Fontenot. And lastly, Miss Parker, the champion of the 2021 Olympics at Michaels in Broussard. Don't forget, Michaels will be hosting the Olympics tonight in Broussard. Doors are now open, and the show starts at 7. For James Mesh, I'm Matt Miguez, reminding you to be safe, be well, hug your mom and them. We'll see you tomorrow. Matt will be coming to you live from Cecilia High School as the Southside Sharks take on the Notre Dame Pioneers. You can hear that game tomorrow evening on Mustang 1071. Stay classy, Acadiana. This is the game. 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station, and your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros.